Welcome to episode two of the Bandwagon Fan. I'm AJ. I'm Alex. And I'm Josh. This is the show where we talk all things pop culture. As our name suggests, we aren't necessarily experts on the topics we discuss, so we want to hear from you, our listeners. Tell us what kind of things you're watching, playing, or reading. Tell us what we should explore next. And this isn't limited to hardcore fans. We also welcome the casuals, newbies, as well. So let's nerd out together and get started by checking out some of the latest news in pop culture. First thing I have on here, guys, is Halo. Have either of you played it? Oh, man. I've been playing it like like crazy. I've I've played, like, Halo in general, or do you mean the new Halo? The, the new one. It's just multiplayer uh, right now. Unfortunately, I do not own an Xbox, but uh, I want to play it. Uh True story. You actually don't even need an Xbox to play it. You can actually play over XCloud. Uh, Microsoft oh, so you can play you, a PC. Yeah. So Microsoft, if you want to sponsor this podcast, I will be an ambassador. No problem. <laughs> I mean, we, not that we need their sponsorship, but you know, if, if they're feeling up to it, right? Guys? Don't say that. We definitely need their sponsorship. <laughs> Please don't give us your that. money. Please give us your money. We'll say anything, anything on this podcast. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Almost <laughs> anything. We'll see. But yeah, I, I played it a little bit. I played a couple matches. It, a couple. It, it was cool. I, I've been I've been grinding through the so I the 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 big challenge that I think a lot of the community is having is that it it's using this crazy monetization process for the skins. Um when the game came out prior to launch, they had said that they weren't going to overly monetize and that everything would be unlockable but then everyone played and they're, and they're like this is insane you have to play so many games just to get very few items and you have to pay a lot of money and you know when i was a kid i think i it wouldn't have bugged me that much i that's all i did when i was 16 17 years old play video games but now i'm just like i'm not gonna pay 20 dollars to wear a skin like that's stupid like, yeah that's ridiculous that's especially when they used to come with multiplayer you used to yeah. just buy like the map pack and give you like 20 yeah. maps. And you got to play the game. I'm having a lot of fun with it. It It's probably the most polished Halo game I've ever played. And I've played every single Halo game. However, I can, th- there are some things that, that can definitely be fixed. I think it'll be fixed down the road. So we'll it was see. delayed a year at launch too, right? Yeah. That's the craziest thing about it. Like, yeah. they, like they were, this game was supposed to be out. It was supposed to come out next last year and they delayed it i just think it's crazy that they they released the game in the state that at it that it's in and then everyone's like oh we don't really like this and they're like oh we're sorry i guess i just find that so bizarre that's really crazy that's really yeah that's that is bizarre to me um yeah the other uh speaking of bizarre uh thing i saw this week that i thought was kind of crazy is have either of you seen birds of prey Yes. That's the Harley Quinn movie? Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, which I, like, I think the movie is badass. I know it came out about a year ago at this point. Yeah. Um, which it went, I think it went a little under the radar because it launched, like, while everyone was, uh, um, understandably not going to theaters slash well, didn't I think, go to theaters. I think, I think that was part of it. I think the other part of it was that Warner Brothers has kind of soured the community that would like to watch these movies a little bit with Suicide Squad mm-hmm. and then uh, in the Batman movies that or the Batman movie that never came 
and then they kind of just you know changed it and the justice league movie like i i think they warner brothers has kind of soured people to it so when birds of prey was announced i don't think the same hype was there because birds of prey is that a comic book guys you guys help me out is that a is that a comic book series yeah it's like a group from from the comics uh i don't know who's totally like all the members that are in it i think at times it's been like black canary huntress Barbara yeah, Gordon. Which I think they were all in the movie, I think. In I'm some sense, yeah. yeah. Lady yeah, Blackhawk, Oracle, okay. um, says Hawk and Dove. Yeah, so it, yeah. it's, I think arguably it was like the best DC movie to come out in the past few years. Like I yeah. put it off for like months because I hated Suicide Squad, but like this movie was just like fun. Which which um, Suicide Squad? Uh, the uh, initial one from what, like okay. 16. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I have to recorrect on that. This movie <laughs> I thought was just fun, like over the top, kind of yeah. violent, but like in a fun way. Yeah. And uh, HBO just censored it, and they claimed wow. that it was accidental. It they uh, they re-uploaded the TV fourteen version, so there's like swear words edited out. There's like T-shirts and stuff blurred. Um, if any fans know any other specific parts of it, like you can definitely let us know, like in the comments. But uh, uh, this is like the thing that kind of. I guess frustrates me about some streaming platforms is like you're paying monthly to like quote unquote own these films and then you're not even getting the version that you want like HBO could put it up but if they don't then it's like you're forced to watch this TV version of a movie that was designed to be rated R yeah I I know that was a big issue when Disney bought Fox they bought a bunch of their, their IPs and they censored some episodes of The Simpsons uh, I believe I, I I believe that they there are episodes that I I don't remember if they took them off or they just censored them fit like they physically went to go censor them but I know that was like a a real pain point for a lot of people yeah I, can I understand remember. it yeah. says episodes uh, were they removed fifteen episodes were censored yeah okay um, so censored censored so they probably then- just edited them. One episode was banned. Season eight, episode eighteen, Homer versus the Eighteenth Amendment. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never seen it. On the, okay. I've never seen it. I, yeah, I'm not really a Simpsons guy, so I don't. I don't know. That's very yeah, interesting. Simpsons though. is hit or miss for me. But uh, I, I can I read think... the description. It says in the episode Springfield enacts prohibition after a um, raucous, raucous St. Patrick's Day celebration to supply Moe's speakeasy. Homer becomes a bootlegger. Uh, yeah. And then I, I guess that's, I'm, yeah, I and, guess and why, because of why was it banned? So we'd have to watch question. it. We'd have to watch it to find out. I want to look this up. If, if anyone listening knows what the episode is about and like why it would be banned, please let us know because I mean, this, I'm, I'm curious. This yeah, reminds me eight. a lot of, Oh, what were you gonna say? I was just saying it's season eight, episode 18. This reminds me a lot of when, the boondocks if you guys remember that show yeah i uh, love that show they got censored a lot and i and i believe that's what led the original showrunner to lead the show they were just censored a lot and it's just unfortunate that these 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 big corporations they give carte blanche to these creative you know people writers producers whatever then there's some backlash and then they turn around and they say okay well we 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 can't support this anymore i just don't think that's fair uh, to those people, I don't think it's fair to the fans that want to enjoy that. For Birds of Prey, I just think that's kind of silly. I I would really love to know if they just thought no one would care. 
you know, I, I have I, to I'm, like, do they intend to put the, the original version back on? Do you know, Alice? there has been no, um, there's been no updates. Like as of two hours ago, it says wow. birds of prey gets censored on HBO. Um, they admitted that it was by a mistake, but they haven't, at least according to now, have not given an update on whether or not they're actually going to re-replace it. So it's like we get it was a mistake, but like if you don't change it, then it's like uh, I have hard. a feeling maybe it wasn't a mistake. Yeah, maybe I it's mean, like some way to get people interested in the in the movie again. Are, are we really yeah. supposed to believe this multi-billion-dollar company is saying whoops? Like, I that, mean, look at really... the whole thing with Spider-Man last week. We talked about the Brazil trailer, but even then, I don't. I, 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 I don't like, know if that's really is that really a a mistake or is that something that they is that a way to garner maybe they want little breadcrumbs yeah maybe maybe they want people to watch Birds of Prey you know Which you know they, what I'm you saying should, like, they should if you haven't seen it I highly recommend it it's but watch the unedited version. Right. Watch right. the real version. <laughs> yeah. So go buy a DVD, which is actually going to make HBO more money. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so you have to own the I, original copy. So I, I, I think someone wanted to say something about the, since we're talking about DC Comics, the, the, what's the air cut? Are we, are we having another Snyder oh, cut situation? Yeah, so there are talks. The Jared Leto was talking oh, about... Um, no. He was promoting uh, House of Gucci. And yes. Suicide Squad obviously came up because that's something he just loves to talk about. And there, yeah, there are hints that there might be a uh, director's cut of that. What What's the uh, director's name? So, something Ayer, right? Uh, the director for Suicide Squad? Yeah, of, of the original one. Of the OG look. one, right? Like the, uh, yeah, I don't the know. David Ayer. David, David Ayer. Ayer. Right, so then he tweeted, I believe it was him, saying that... Between him and Jared Leto, they're saying that's what streaming services are for, to release director's cuts. Ooh. I think they're trying Ooh. to follow after Zack Snyder. And you know what? If we can get a better movie out of it, I'm all for it. No, no. And you know what he's trying to do? David Ayer is trying to get his 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 son in the, his, his time in the sun, just like Zack Snyder did, that, yeah. that vindication. That's yeah. what he wants. That's what yeah, he wants. it's done. It needs it, to die. It over. Go for it. <laughs> no way! There's no amount of cut that can make that movie better. I refuse to watch it. I also very I dislike Zack Snyder. I don't like any of which his, one. Uh, you refuse to watch which one? Uh, um, Justice League, the Justice League version of uh, Oh, dude, Justice his League. cut was his cut was much good. better. Yeah, very his good. cut was much better. I, I have to give him credit. I don't enjoy Zack Snyder as a director too much. However, I can see what he wanted to do with the Justice League movie. I can appreciate what he was trying to do. Uh, it was four hours of a movie, and I'm like, this is a long movie. Maybe this should have been broken up into two movies somehow. Right. However, I do have to give him credit to say his vision was at least coherent, and it made sense, much more sense than the the Josh Whedon version. Yeah. Um, Justice League. It, it was just, yeah, it was just much more coherent it was a much better story that it told and i think the most frustrating part and if anyone has seen the Zack snyder cut can agree is in the original josh wheaton version it felt like they cut so much from uh, uh, a cyborg's character oh dude that actor is he he's not happy about that but he did a great job in the Zack snyder cut and it was just like what happened what did what did the Warner Brothers execs see that made them say, right. nah? 
yeah. he, he, he yeah. was like the backbone of the the recut version. Yeah, Alex, yeah. you should you should watch it. It's highly it. all right. As a Zack Snyder it. critic, I will watch it. I just don't like how he lazily it's, it's very, like he desaturates yeah. like all of his worlds to like make them look dark. And I'm like, that's all there. That's make that, the characters that dark. It doesn't I, need to look physically dark. It. Yeah, that, right. don't worry. That, that's all there. It's still a Zack Snyder movie, so don't don't think that you're about to watch like Stanley Kubrick's make of the Justice League. Like, it's still a Zack Snyder's movie. It's just, I think it in the context of the other movies, it it makes sense. You know, all right. I mean? I'll give I'll I'll give it a chance one of these days. But wait, there's more. Oh. Zack Snyder put out a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw this. Oh no! Of his Thanksgiving turkey. Okay. And eagle-eyed fans notice in the background there is a large copy of Final Crisis, which is a DC what story. Is that? What is Final Crisis? It's like a multiverse type of thing, like what they're trying to do in Marvel with the whole is Doctor it, Strange. Is that the thing Spider-Man. that was? Is that the thing that's like kind of hinted in the Justice League movie a little bit? Kind of a little bit. Yeah, so, it's a crossover storyline from two thousand and eight. Okay. Right. So there's speculation that he might be involved in a future project with that, which I, I, can I be very so. interesting. Yeah, I I just think Warner Brothers went the wrong way with how they were trying to build their universe. They they didn't want to take the Disney approach and build it. And to Disney's, you know, or to Warner Brothers' defense, technically Disney never did really build it. Right? They acquired those. They acquired the Marvel IP and then the studios with those movies already made and just deci- decided to like create a universe around movies that were already made. And so Warner Brothers, I think they knew that they had a maybe stronger IP or stronger process to do something like that. And they try to just go all in without really mapping out a long term plan. I think that's what's hurt them the most. 100%. Yeah, it's risky. It didn't work, but I kind of see what they were trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of risky, Ooh. the most bizarre current event I've seen this week is there's a YouTuber um, who goes by Point Crow. Mm-hmm. He has offered fans of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild $10,000 to anyone who can create a multiplayer mod for it. So if you could create a multiplayer mod for Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, you could possibly get $10,000 from Point Crow. Will Nintendo stop it? Most likely, but most likely, yeah, worth it. Worth worth the risk. So I I guess I would love to hear his understanding for how he would play it, because the only way he could get the mod to work is either on a a cracked switch, a cracked uh, Nintendo Switch, or b an emulator. So I'm sure Nintendo's going to be really invested in. Whoever makes this mod and kind of be like, hey, man, how did you get this to work? Because this isn't really beyond the licensing thing. Like you, you mean using an emulator to play it? I, that's that's weird. Well, you can that's use really your $10,000 um, with your litigation against Nintendo. I so. should pay for like one day of. Uh, yeah, it should of, pay of for a little fees. bit. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. Um, any, anything else, guys? Anything Disney related? Uh, Book of Boba Fett. They put a, a new teaser i did it i watched it it's like 20 seconds long i didn't notice anything too different that stood out to me at least i don't know if you guys have seen what the you... other teasers they've put out for that yeah no. i saw the one before what, what are your thoughts on on the book of boba i'm boba excited T. for it he i mean like any star wars fan he's always been something that was uh pretty cool but 
overlooked because of what happens to him in the films. And then there yeah. was the whole extended universe stuff, the books and comic books and whatnot that were really cool. So it's now cool to that, see him. Was that, uh, that stuff canon? It was uncanonized, but it looks like they're starting to okay. draw from that stuff again. So I'm just curious to okay. see where Disney decides where to take this. Yeah. I love Boba Fett. I just never really thought he need. I I feel like I never needed to know more about him. I kind of always liked, at least in the original Star Wars, like the mystery of like not knowing all of his backstory, which I understand they've done at this point. So um, I'm curious. I just I feel like I don't have very high expectations for it. I'm coming in with a hot take, guys. Oh, let's go. Not th- I. I've never been super impressed with Boba Fett as a character. Oh, there are a lot of people who would agree with you on that. Yeah, I, 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 That's all I right. think that I think that what made Boba, I think what made the lore of Boba Fett intriguing was that he seemed to be this really um, intense character that we didn't know anything about, but we never learned anything about him, and because of how he's, I guess, treated or handled in the original trilogy, that there really wasn't space to use his character outside the original trilogy. So there really isn't much we know about him. I mean, Josh says that there are books and I'm in and comics. I'm sure that maybe expand on the lore, but I haven't engaged in that stuff. And because it's not Canon that doesn't, it's, it's no longer real or true. So I just find, I just kind of find his character, just one of the many nameless faceless star Wars characters. I never really found, I never, I was never been really engaged in his, backstory i guess you could say well here's yeah, a chance to it. turn it around yeah we'll see yeah. we'll see we'll see but as we'll a see. fan i'm still not excited so at least we have <laughs> we have some controversy there you got all our bases <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> speaking of, of disney though going over to the marvel side mm-hmm. i'll be digging into this in a second the new hawkeye series but uh. going into the background of that there there's a lot of speculation that this Hawkeye series is going to jumpstart the young Avengers and the Mm. MCU. And I don't know, do you guys, are you familiar with the young Avengers? A little bit. I mean, it's, they're like, they're little Avengers. Is it like the baby Flintstone, the baby uh, Looney Tunes? (laughs) Is that that it? Okay. Uh, Let me go into some light spoilers. If you're listening and you haven't read the comics of young Avengers and you want to just skip ahead like a minute. So you have iron lad who is, like Iron Man, and it turns out he is a version of King the Conqueror. Oh. Then there's Hulkling, who is not related to the Hulk whatsoever. He's actually half Kree, half Skrull. Uh, I believe he's either gay or bisexual, because I think him and Wiccan, who is another character, are in a relationship together. Because there's Wiccan and Speed, who are the sons of Scarlet Witch. Which we did see. Which in we have seen. We did. We have seen them. Okay. Right. This is interesting. Then there's also Patriot, who is the grandson of Isaiah Bradley, who we saw in Falcon and Winter Soldier. We did. We Isaiah Bradley. He was the original OG wait, Captain wait, America. It's, it's, is it that kid that was like the uh the uh, man? I'm trying to remember. Is it the kid that wouldn't let them see the grand the grandfather? I think it's him. And is if that not, him? Like that's the grandfather is Isaiah Bradley. I'm assuming yes. that that kid is going to be Patriot. Maybe interesting. That would be cool. There's that's also a cool little product. Uh, Stature, who is the daughter of Scott Lang, Ant Man, and then Which obviously we have seen right. Right, like we, have seen yeah, we have I seen her. Yeah, we have seen her. I believe a different actress will be playing her in uh, the future Ant Man and Wasp movie. 
Well, help, help me remember when the when the after the blip, isn't she older? Right. So don't they already have a different actress for her? They do. I, I don't know, know if she'll okay. be reprising the role or if they're going to okay, take okay. it somewhere else. Yeah, Ant Man's another film I'm not excited to see anymore. Ever since Edgar Wright stopped uh, directing them, I, I haven't enjoyed Ant Man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna inject, if you don't mind, uh, Josh, because I think something you, that is interesting. Josh brought up that Hawkling is part Cree and part Scroll, right? Yes. And so. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't one of the things that the uh, Kree can do, or it's either the Kree or the, the scroll? can't they mimic powers? Isn't that what gives Hawkling his powers? Right. Because he's can, mimicking... They can, like, shapeshift. Shapeshift, but can't they, like, also, min- like, I guess, copy powers? I believe that was a thing that... I, I cannot remember the line. Can, but there's okay. the super scroll from Fantastic super Four. Scroll. That's what that's copy. what I was trying to. I don't know if he copied or just had their powers. Okay. But I'm not okay. sure yet if that's like a, a species wide thing or not. Okay. And then the last the last main person from that obviously is Kate Bishop, Hawkeye. Yeah. There's also been there some other characters who we might be able to see. America Chavez, who I think is going to be in the new Doctor Strange movie. Uh, really? She's also a member of the Young Avengers at some point or another. I also love Isn't... Kate Bishop, so I'm excited to see more on her. What about uh, yeah. Miss Marvel? Isn't she? Is she a Young Avenger? I am not sure. Actually, I, I'm not a big Marvel comics reader. I'm more into like the MCU. Yeah. So if anyone listening knows the answer to that, please let us know. This, this is definitely a topic uh, I'm, I'm learning dying. about as I'm I go. Di- I, I believe. I believe. Oh, she's she's in uh, Champions, Marvel Champions. So like that. I haven't read it yet, but I believe yeah. that correlates. Right. And the other well, thing is Young Avengers, their inception might have been before that character was created because they came around during the House of M, not House of M, Avengers Disassembled. I don't know if you guys have read that. No, sir. It did inspire WandaVision a little bit. What happens in that is Scarlet Witch kind of goes a little crazy. And it's related to her kids that they don't actually exist, but she thinks they do. Thanks, they do. And so bad, bad, bad stuff happens. Again, a little bit of a spoiler. This comic's been out for a long time, though. <laughs> Vision, Hawkeye, and Ant Man all end up dying during this, along with a few other people. Let, oh, let wow. me let me throw another spoiler because Alex said that he wasn't he wasn't excited for the Ant Man movies, but I think one of the reasons why you should is who is the OG Ant Man? Josh, what's his name? Uh, Hank um, Pym. Hank Pym. Apparently, if I'm not mistaken, in the Secret Invasion comics, isn't Hank Pym a d- determined to be a scroll? I actually have not read Secret Invasion, so I'm not sure. Okay, so so that that's one of the reasons that that may be one of the things that is, if not hinted, may be thrown out there because I am pretty sure Hank Pym. Uh, spoiler, if in case they actually do that, but I mean, whatever. Like Josh said, these comics have been out forever. But yeah, Hank Pym is a is a is a scroll. What? And so yes, so that and it kind of explains his intellect and his whatever. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. that would be interesting. Well, if they go that route. Maybe I can give it a chance. But let me let give me recorrect. I actually realized uh, Edgar Wright didn't direct the first one. He um he wrote the story. So that's the okay. difference. Uh, it's been the okay. same director, Peyton Peyton Reed. Um, Edgar Wright wrote or directed Baby Driver, right? Yeah. And uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, a lot of great films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good director. Good director. 
Going back to uh, Avengers Disassembled, what ends up happening, though, at the end of that is they, the Marvel Universe, like the Avengers, the X-Men, they're trying to decide what to do with Scarlet Witch because she's responsible for all these people dying and all this crazy stuff happening. And so they're kind of split on, do we like try to protect her and help her, or do we kill her? And that it's really interesting to see like who wants to do what in that. And then eventually Scarlet Witch rewrites reality to where she gets rid of all the mutants in the world. So I'm curious to see. Maybe the inverse is going to, maybe the inverse is going to happen with this one then. Right. And I'm wondering if they'll draw some of this and we'll see that with Dr. Strange or, or whatnot. Because, because she already created one mutant, right? Spectrum. I'm not sure actually. Remember in the show spectrum or is it, I, I believe that's her name. If anyone can correct me, that'd be great. But spectrum, the, the Mon- I, I think it's Monica Rambo. I think that's her name. Monica Rambo. Uh, yeah. Yeah. When she, when she steps through the, the force field thing, she get that's how she gets her powers. So yeah. technically did, can't you say that she already made the first mutant? It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And Monica Rambo in the comics at one point, uh, takes up the moniker of Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, yeah. Because they, they do share that connection anyways. Yeah. But the only person we haven't seen a strong connection to from the Young Avengers is Hulkling, other than the, the whole Korean scrawl things that we've seen. Yeah. But we haven't seen anything too strong to hint at the character being into the MCU. But going from there, I want to talk about the Hawkeye Disney Plus show. And they're Will be some light spoilers. I don't know if you guys have watched it yet. I haven't, but I'm actually. Um, that's one of the few Disney Plus shows I'm kind of excited to check out. Okay. Can Can you guys explain to me the appeal behind Hawkeye as a character and Kate and Kate Bishop? I think it's very much the the everyman, average Joe. Like, oh, mm. no powers, I can still be a hero type of thing. It's like a it's like a Walmart version of Batman. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah i i've never really honestly read that much of hawkeye itself but like kate bishop um i feel like has some potential to be an interesting character um i feel like she's just kind of i like i like that she is she really just acts like a normal teenager and sure. happens to be able to like fight and stuff but she isn't like set up with like a bunch of uh at least so what i know like she doesn't seem to have like a really crazy um like dark backstory or anything. It's just kind of like lighthearted. Just, a, and fun just for like me. a kid, just a kid trying to, trying to do their part in saving the world. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I've only, I've only like read a very small amount of her stuff, but I think it's nice to just like have something that isn't so, uh, dark to read every now and then. Okay. All right. That's fair. And I'll actually get into a little bit more about how I haven't really read any Hawkeye or Kate Bishop, but yeah, Watching the show and digging into it a little bit, I'm actually very interested in reading a specific run that was actually, it came out in 2012, written by Matt Fraction and art by David Aha. Mm-hmm. And Verno over at the Cerebros did a, a podcast episode on this. So I listened to that. Um, so shout out to him for a lot of really good info and a, a in-depth look at the character. There is a lot of controversy with this because if you look at the promotional work, yeah, there's lots of like shades of purple and like with the arrows and stuff, it's very reminiscent of Aha's work and he's not being compensated for it. 
which wow. a lot of people are very upset about. But then the question is, like, was this ever in his contract? What, like, where do we go from here? Because that I mean, happens good, good to a lot of creators yeah, where they yeah. could be like a work for hire. Where yeah. uh, I know that happens in music a lot, where you just basically, um, you, they might have get they might have been paid like a lump sum up front, and then right. like you're not allowed to do anything with the material or like uh, have any like no matter what happens to it later, like you're not compensated. It really all depends on like the type of contract they would have signed. Unfortunately, that, that's, that's the big question to me is like, what was this contract like? And like, what's the solution? Should they hire him on as a consultant in the future? Should Marvel like do contracts now with the MCU where artists and writers will get a certain percentage of their property that they worked on being used? I mean, I, I don't have a, a solution for this. If anyone listening does let us know. We, we, I, I don't know what Disney would even, I don't think Disney would even care to be honest with you. They probably think, don't, which is unfortunate. I, I, I think at the end of the day, Disney's like, well, this is our property and we can do what we want with it. Yeah. Right. Until there's a viral we, backlash. Right. We, we ostensibly bought your work when we acquired Marvel. So, Hey man. And, and I think that's what the situation is right now, but there yeah. is a pretty strong reaction online, especially on Twitter. So I'm curious to see if it'll get loud enough where Disney has to pay attention to it. But I'll, I'll, I'll touch a little bit more on the that run further in. Okay. Uh, for now, I want to talk about the first episode, first two episodes. They uh, released two, which is a interesting move that we we're not either going to get one episode per week, or we're not going to get all of them at once. I feel it has been the model because it's Thanksgiving, right? And so I think it's a good way for people to check out the show and then decide if they want to be invested or not. Yeah. I watched the first two. I'm definitely invested. Uh, it starts out with Kate Bishop. She's a, a kid during Avengers 1, the invasion. Mm-hmm. And so when the episode started, I had already done a little bit of background on the character. Her parents are rich. They live in this penthouse in New York. And so my thought was, okay, like, you're New York penthouse rich. Why do, why do I care? Like, boo-hoo, your life must be so hard. And then quickly, it the episode shows, oh, the invasion's happening right now. And so she, Kate, uh, Bishop has this trauma of spoilers. Her dad dies, her home gets destroyed, and she witnesses a battle. And she's, I don't know, like 10 years old, maybe. Okay, so she does have a dark backstory. The complete opposite of what I said about five minutes ago. In the show, at least, <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, but her response to all this is, she tells her mom, I need a bow. She sees Hawkeye fighting during the invasion, and she's inspired by that. And so her response to all these terrible things isn't, my life sucks, I'm going to be sad, it's, life is scary, I want to be prepared. So she trains in archery and martial arts and stuff like that, uh, to try to make herself better able to handle different situations. Which, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I I was wondering if she's a six. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that at all. I am, yeah. Uh, Um, That's the loyalist, the, the person who, like, wants to be prepared and is always kind of thinking worst case scenario. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm a me. six. I'm familiar with it. That's why I, I had that thought. I'm a two and a four. So I don't, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I think I'm a six seven. is new. Okay. Seven, yeah. seven. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it we get a, a time hop to where Clint Barton, Hawkeye is watching an Avengers musical. And it's as ridiculous as you would expect it to be. But, and that, that's the whole point. And he's clearly, yeah. 
not comfortable watching this. Watching the musical, but also having people recognize him, which makes sense. He, he's a soldier. He was working for a spy agency. Like he's not used I mean, to he, being. When he left, he like went to the woods. He was like right, forest. Yeah, right. And um, he's obviously still hurting from Black Widow's death. And in the comics, their their history is a lot more nuanced and fleshed out. Uh, they did a pretty good job in the MCU movies, but in the comics, you really see that as well, especially in, like, Black, in Black Widow too. I thought I true. felt like they 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 did they did some fleshing out of uh, that character by they referenced them a good amount of times. So. Yeah, Hawkeye's first appearance actually is like right around like him and Black Widow kind of met up during his first appearance around that time. He was he started out as a criminal, yeah, accidentally. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he's watching the, this musical, and it, it seems like he definitely has some PTSD, as well as he now has a hearing aid, which mm-hmm. is something we see in the comics, where he, he loses his hearing and learns sign language. Oh, that's cool. I like that they're incorporating that in. Right. and I, I had long hoped that we would get to see this in the MCU, just to have that kind of representation. Yeah, no, I think that's really that's that's really important, that's and it's like cool. it's it's nice to see it outside of just a uh, a quiet place, outside of like a horror film. Right, and the other yeah. thing they kind of explain it later on in a funny way, where Kate Bishop asks him like, "Why do you ever hear any of what happened?" And you see a montage of all these different explosions that Hawkeye was in, and he's like, "I don't know, it's hard to keep track." So, basically, uh, too many explosions wrecked one of his ears, at least. The other cool thing is we were talking about Echo last week and in the comics, as far as I know, she is a deaf Native American street fighter and I'm not going to spoil what her role is or what it appears to be in the series, but I do think there will be a connection between Hawkeye having lost his hearing partially to um, Echo. Cool. Yeah, that sounds really. That sounds great. Like I, I really want to actually check out this series. We'll see. I, I think I, I will reserve. I'm the type of person who I need to see the whole season first before I make I make any judgment. So I will yeah. watch the season. I, I, and I'll I, make my judgment afterwards. It, it's definitely fun. The uh, we'll dynamic between Clint and Kate is pretty good. It's very much like youthful exuberance paired with grass, you know, like grizzled experience. And it's different from the comic because in the comic, she's she's pretty adept. She knows what's up. Whereas in the series, she's a college girl. She's like 22, kind of knows what she's doing, but not really. Um, there's also a really funny um, bit in episode two with LARPing. I heard about this. That, yes. that, yeah, yeah. Which, well, I, I, when you I see think, it, it's. I think it's hilarious. That I just think of the. Te- I just think of the movie role models. That's right. The, right. Oh, first man. thing I thought of. Well, I, I, I think the show is touching on what Alex said is the the pull to the show that it's just lighthearted. You know, right. It's, it's it's not trying to be Zack Snyder. So which which I think it, it has its place. We're in the holiday season. Bring that on. Uh, my right. my favorite line from episode right. two was when uh, Hawkeye is at that LARPing location. He's kind of looking around, thinks to himself, "I fought Thanos." And he, in regard <laughs> to where he's, he's like, "I fought Thanos, and now I'm here in the middle of a park with a bunch of LARPing." 
Uh, oh, going back, <laughs> going back to Echo, though, I forgot to mention this. <laughs> In the comics, she's trained by Kingpin, which there's all speculation that they okay. will bring uh, Vincent. They need to. Uh, I don't know how to say the guy's name. Dio. Gomer, Gomer Pyle. Yes, him. <laughs> the the like, Kingpin from Netflix, who was fantastic. He was phenomenal so as the Kingpin good. on that show. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he, was he was terrifying. I yes, love that. he was so, 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 so good. So there's speculation that if Echo's in this, in the comics, she was trained by him, what if he shows up? How cool would that be? I would, that would I be would really that. cool. That would, right? be, that would be Chef Kiss. Yep. Uh, and then go, going back real quick, I mentioned Fraction and AHA. Like I said, the, the colors of the series, especially promotional stuff, is very reminiscent of their run. Mm-hmm. You have this gang called the Tracksuit Mafia. Ooh, mafia. These, uh, like these Eastern European guys that say bro, like, hey bro, be careful, bro. Which <laughs> like in Loki, which in Loki, by the way, they were they were foreshadowed in Loki. Really? One of the tra- some of the tracks who mafia or one of the tracks who mafia is in the uh in the what's that place that they were all in? In in Loki. Time, the, it's very the time, authority or whatever. Yes, the, I, I call I keep, I want to call it time jail. Yes. Yeah. In the time jail, they're in the background. I'll I'll Maybe we can post it on any of the social medias, but the, yeah, there, there's a, there's one of the members of the tracksuit mafia in the background, you know, obviously they're, the, they're wearing tracksuits and uh, people <laughs> had theorized that they, we would see them in some form. So, well, it's it is. funny you mentioned that because teenage Loki was also part of the young Avengers at one point. So I do oh. wonder if we'll see that character again too. Oh, that's totally forgot about that until you mentioned. That's cool. Loki. Yeah, <laughs> I hope oh, so. Though. I I looked it up. I think by the way, it was Time Prison. Does that sound right? No, it's the the Time Variance Authority. Time, yeah. yeah, Time. Oh yeah, here thank we you. go. I see thank you. Time, yeah. time Variance. Yes, thank you. Thank you. The thank Time you. Variance Authority. Yes, yeah. I, I I call it Time Jail, but yeah, that's what it is. Well, I was like, I haven't seen Loki, and I'm even like from an outsider. I'm like, Time Jail sounds. Too much like Monopoly to me. I'm like, I'm you should, you should watch. You should definitely watch Loki. Oh, it was, Loki it, Loki's cool. All if right. anything, just to watch. Uh, jo- uh, what's his name? Jonathan Majors. Yeah, I love um, Loki. Yeah, I think he was probably the best part of the show. So, so yeah, no, it'd be it'll be cool if they incorporate that later in the line with Young Avengers. If we see Wilson Fisk in this, uh, another character we see is the Pizza Dog, who we see in the the comics. And then Grills and Jack, which to you guys probably doesn't mean anything, but nope. to those of you listening uh, who, who have either read the comics or seen these episodes, you'll know that there is a connection there. And having listened to Verno on the Cerebros talking about this, and then also I was watching a video over at Variant on YouTube. Watching that stuff, listening to that, and then watching the series, it makes me really want to read The Fraction in AHA Run. And going going on to that, I want to talk about my pull list, unless there's anything awesome. else you guys have. Um, just Hawkeye. really quick to throw in on Hawkeye, I didn't watch the two episodes, but I did start the first issue of uh, the comic series on Kate Bishop. The oh, one dude, that just came nice. out this week. Yeah. Um, the the buildup was really slow. Um, I feel like they did a decent job of just like jumping me into Kate Bishop. Um, and like, I had a pretty solid understanding of like who she is without needing to like dig way into her origin story, but it looks like it's setting up to like a clue, like murder mystery type, uh, comic, which okay. I think has a lot of potential. Um, cause I got the vibes of like clue 
and Scooby-Doo. But I haven't really cared for many of the uh, characters in it so far, but I would like to, I'd like to keep up with that maybe on the next episode, whenever the next issue is out. But that's definitely something I would recommend at least looking at if you're a fan of Hawkeye in general. And what would be really cool to do is when the series is all said and done to compare that with the current Kate Bishop run and then the uh, Fraction and Aha run as well. I think it'd be cool to look at the, yeah. uh, if people want to hear want to hear that, that's something we can look yeah, into. That'd be great. Uh, and Josh, what's, uh, what's on your poll list this week? Right. Uh, real quick though, my LCS, I went to two in the area, Beyond Tomorrow on Palatine and then Gmart in Logan Square. Neither of them had that Kate Bishop comic, so I'm going to see if I can snag that this week. Yeah, I had Variant 1. Uh, I had like the Variant cover as well, but they okay. said that 90% of their Marvel comics did not come in this week. And right. uh, Kate Bishop was one of the only ones that arrived at my comic store, which is Pulp Fiction Comics in Culver City for anyone who uh, lives in Los Angeles. Nice. Um yeah, so for my pull list for this week, I have with Marvel, X-Men, Trial of Magneto number five, Phoenix Song, Echo number two, which is Echo that we see is going to be in this Kate Bishop series, as well as, um, like I said, has the Phoenix Force. The other thing I'm pulling is Wastelanders Wolverine, which is pretty cool if you've read, if you've seen the movie Logan. That's based very loosely off of Old Man Logan. My favorite, my favorite, next to Shang Chi. That's my favorite Marvel movie. Lo- Logan is Chef's Kiss, phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah. A one. Yeah. I uh, loved Logan. Um, I haven't seen it in years. So I'd like to rewatch it. Oh but... yes, I, I low key kind of hope that they bring. Um, what was the girl uh, X? Is that X twenty three? X twenty three. Oh, she was X-23. so good. I, I hope yeah, they bring that cool. actress into the MCU. And then going on to Image Comics, I'm pulling The Me You Love in the Dark, number five, which chef's kiss to the story. The <laughs> artwork and the story are both fantastic. This mm. is the last issue, and it comes out in trade uh, in the spring of 2022. Okay. So when that happens, maybe we can talk about it. If you're reading it, let us know what you think. If you're not, if you're into indie books at all, I highly recommend checking this one out. That's me, hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, actually, Alex, I was thinking about that. You would probably love this series. It's it's a really nice, refreshing break from the superhero genre, and the the artwork and the character work is is really fun too. Can you repeat the name one more time? The me you love in the dark. The so, me you love in the dark. Yeah, that's by Image. And then Which over, I'm at, a diehard fan of. Yeah, I'm a huge Image fan as well. So I'm I'm excited uh, to finish the series. Is Image a publisher? Yes. Yeah, they've done uh, the the biggest issues they've done is the series Saga by Brian Brian Vaughn. Um, I have I actually have some of those. Yeah, yeah, so that's I feel like that skyrocketed Image into like that's that's popularity. one of the actually very few comic books I have. Yeah, yeah. They also do yeah. East of West AJ, which I know you're a big oh, fan. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I was a big fan. Well, Whenever we paper, talk about that, yeah. I'm going to talk about how the debauchery <laughs> of that ending. And everyone a part of that should be ashamed. But well, that's another day. Yeah, no, I would love to talk about it too. If you're listening, you've read that. Let us know what you think because Ugh. I actually didn't mind how it ended. But no way, are you we'll, serious? We'll have to get into that later. No spoilers future. right now because that's no, well, the next. No series spoilers. But when I finished it, I'm like, wait a minute, was that the end? 
I'm like, wait, yeah. well, hold on, hold on. And I, I went back and I'm like, wait, this is over. I was like, nah, dude, this can't be. It was crazy. Yeah. So, we'll we'll have to hit on that in a future episode. We definitely will. Yeah. Uh, going over to DC, uh, I'm pulling Gotham City Villains, who, which one of the writers is Danny DeVito. Wow. What? Yes. <laughs> He probably loves I probably so loves, it's a one yeah. shot and it's just gonna be about Batman's rogues gallery and penguin obviously yeah. is a, a, one of the major ones. Okay, I love that. I absolutely being play, having played the penguin, he probably either was already into those comic books or you know, he 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 probably has probably insight that a lot of people may not have. So right. I can see that. So I'm excited. He's gotta have some Danny DeVito out. humor too, right? I, yeah, I hope yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But also pulling Justice League Dark Annual, Justice League Incarnate number one, Robin Annual, Static Season One number five, Wonder Girl number five, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, Batman Annual. Batman the Detective number six, and then Fear State Omega, which Alex, I think you have some Fear State for us. In yeah, I, second. I'm so excited for that. Right. Um, with that, that's my end of my pull list. If you're listening, you have a pull list. Let us know what you are pulling. What should we be checking out? And then also, if any of what I have listed is interesting to you, let's hear from Alex. Uh, we have that Fear State connection. Yeah, actually. Uh... Going off a of pull list first, because I, I was one of the few people I didn't really understand what a pull list was. Um, I don't know if this is at every comic shop, but at my comic store, if you um, do a pull list, they give you a 15% discount off of new releases. Nice. So I feel like that's just something worth looking at, because um, like the entire time you could have been paying full price for an issue that you could have just like emailed or um, I don't know. Every every uh, every comic store does a pull list a little differently, but just like an easy way to save a little bit of money and also not be overwhelmed when you walk into a store. But uh, yeah, going off of fear state, I picked up an issue kind of random called Batman secret files fear state, but it's for uh, it's for this character called the gardener. Um, I don't know if Josh this or AJ, we talked about last week. We talked about it. A Josh we, mentioned we it last did. week, right? Yes. Yeah. A little bit. But that was in um, I can't remember was was it a different issue you were bringing up? So she's a character in the Fear State event that DC is doing with Batman right yeah. now. And the Secret Files, there's these there are these one shots that give you background on the new characters who have been introduced in the series. Which is one reason why I picked it up. Um, I had no idea who the Gardener was. Um, I am not caught up on that series, and I. Honestly, I just was kind of already overwhelmed with some other issues I was trying to keep up with. So I thought this would be like a cool way to jump in. And like, if I didn't like the character, then I would, I would just know if it was worth it or not to, uh, to jump into. But for me, I thought this issue was beautiful. Like the art direction was like, everything just looked like, like a painting, like lots and lots of beautiful, vibrant colors of green and red. Um, Batman like has like oranges and blues and like he looks almost like a like a mural in a sense like I just feel like the art direction was very different than a lot of issues I read and that was very intriguing the gardener um it's written by James Tinian the fourth and the artist is Christian Ward who I wanted to give a shout out to just because again like the art direction was beautiful I don't know if you guys can see the cover here yeah but, uh 
That looks awesome. I just thought it looked really cool, and like that kind of got my attention. But uh, I thought it was a beautiful little bit of spoilers, but I'm going to try to like not spoil too much of it. I thought it was a beautiful love story filled with romance, betrayal, and an in-depth look into a criminal that isn't so black and white. Uh, like the reason I say that is like, or the reason I like that is I just feel like I get kind of, I get kind of sick of these like villain type characters that are very, very, very obviously one-sided. And I feel like for someone like the gardener, um, or Dr. Bella Garten is her name. I feel like she, she's kind of in the middle. Like some of the things she does might be a little messed up, but I feel like her reasonings are kind of cool. Like she essentially, from what I can recall, hunts down companies and people who are destroying the planet. Um, but she uses like these plant morphed bloodhounds. Um, and she like, yeah, mainly goes after like people who are like ruining the environment. And I feel like it's very like progressive and up to date with like, current global warm global warming issues but without like being like too preachy on global warming that, that's so interesting too because it's almost like the antithesis direction that uh josh talked about last week with uh, the son of superman comic right that's kind of like the same thing where like son of superman his focus is more on direct impacts in terms of like the environment and stuff like that so it's interesting to see dc also roll out a villain with that same perspective. Yeah, I think uh, I'm, I have a feeling DC is going to be tying in more of this, but it is kind of cool to see like these universes of like, yeah, the villains and heroes still um, fighting for their causes for like almost the same issues in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Just two different ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, what's cool is uh, again, I didn't know anything about the gardener, but she, she basically meets poison Ivy um, Pamela Isley through a graduate program, which was for experimental botany. And it's ran by this character, Jason Woodrue. And like Jason is like, he just looks like the cool, like suave professor. I don't know if anyone's ever seen like the show easy. Does that ring a bell with either of you? I have not seen it. Vaguely. Yeah. So that was like, I don't know. It's like easy has like a professor in that too, that like all these, uh, basically college age girls are like constantly going to like his, um his book clubs and then like going out and getting drinks with him after and like so that, uh, that just, almost sounds like the the new netflix show the the chair there's a character oh, I haven't in seen the show. That. yeah there's a character in the show that's very similar just like the cool professor everyone yeah 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 so it, it's it's a uh, it's definitely like a type of character you can understand why people would look up to them they have a lot of enthusiasm they're very confident they have a um like a live life loud and like I'm saving the world type of vibe. But you realize like the only way that they um, can save or uh, the only reason they can really save things is if you like go in their direction. And it's cool seeing like poison Ivy's character kind of get obsessed with this Jason character. And then the gardener um, actually met her through that program and they um, start a relationship. So there's like a lot of romance with them. But like it kind of goes through like the whole reason why their relationship in um, reasonings for uh, what they want to do for protecting the planet fall apart. And the gardener as a villain goes to Batman um, seeking help. And like the story just like kind of explains like the whole past with Poison Ivy and then like leads up to like the main events that happen in here. And like I thought it was really cool. I really hope that um, DC incorporates more of her. But yeah, that. 
from what Josh was saying, this ties directly into um, the Batman Omega series, which I believe launches next week, right? Mm-hmm. It, it ties it. So it's Batman Fear State Omega. It's the mm-hmm. final issue related to the Fear State event. Interesting. Oh, it's a oh, it's a final issue. I thought it was a start over of a of a new series. No, it'll, it'll be the end because there's Fear State Alpha, which is like a prologue to Fear State, and then Fear State okay. Omega will be the epilogue, I guess you could say. Okay, so see, that's that's where comics can already get kind of confusing with me. Is uh, you know, I thought <laughs> no, it was dude, it, it is confusing. Yeah, I thought sure. it was tying into a new thing, which it kind of is, but it's also closing a previous series. Uh, yeah, maybe we can talk about Fear State when it comes to trade. It's a very like controversial um run because it was so hyped up and it kind of didn't do a whole Live lot. To the hype. Yeah, but. But yeah. the, the issue you, you're talking about right now, though, this, the Secret File Gardener, super, super good. Yeah, I bought I bought another issue from Fear State, which maybe we can talk about later. But yeah, the Gardener, if, you, um, if you're new to Batman, you're new to Ivy, and you just like want a cool um, standalone like female villain, like this issue alone is just worth reading. Um, I feel like it closes this story well enough that you could you could read this without jumping into the rest of the series and like, you wouldn't be confused. Um, yeah. These are the perfect type of comics I recommend for anyone who like, just doesn't have the time to read a lot. Uh, but yeah, going off of that, like, I don't know if either, did either of you guys read it? Yeah, I read, I read it. No. Yeah. And Josh, you liked it. I, I thought it was phenomenal. I, I, I think you have cover a, I think I pulled cover B. It, oh it, yeah, I was looking between those, and I I finally decided on a, or it's the other way around. I have cover A and seeing it. Yeah, I thought it, um, it was a like you were saying, it's its own self-contained story, which makes it so accessible to both a casual or an avid comic reader. Mm-hmm. And on both sides of that, you're getting introduced to this new character. I believe Tinyan came up with her, but I'm not sure. Oh, is it Tinyan? I said I I'm pretty so. sure I said Tinian. So uh, I, I've heard it said both ways. I'm sure he's heard it said both ways too. Yeah, I tried to look it up and I couldn't find how to like pronounce his name. <laughs> if, if you're if you're listening, you know the correct pronunciation. Let us know. Yeah, please, Tinian. If you're listening, tell us too. If you want please to yell at us. That'd be cool. But no, going um, back to the, to the issue, it, it the art was beautiful. The story was well laid out. It flowed well. Pacing was good. It was one issue, but it was a full story. And if you are reading Fear State, it got me more excited to continue reading just because I'm getting to see the side of a character that I didn't know too much about previously. And I, th- I think the Gardener and Poison Ivy, their characters are very similar, but also very distinct. And I don't want to spoil anything from the Fear State run, but maybe we can talk more about those similarities and differences in the future. Yeah, it's definitely I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, as for what I'm pulling next week, I'm looking at Nightwing issue one. Um, I'm also looking at the Batman Omega issue that Josh was talking about. And then I'm looking at Best of Shredder issue one, which is um, Teenage like, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, whoa. It's actually a bunch of stories. It says it's basically just like the best of stories that have involved Shredder since I believe the 90s. And I haven't caught up on a um teenage mutant ninja turtles comic in a long time it's published by idw um so i'm kind of excited just because i feel like that'll be like a cool way to jump into the series without like 
having to read a lot. Yeah. But uh, yeah, outside of that, I'm catching up on one manga called Ruko Volume 2. If you haven't read Ruko, it's pretty much just like a badass girl who rides a motorcycle and shoots guns and has swords and reminds me a lot of Kill Bill. So uh, that's which is cool. My, which is my <laughs> second favorite Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, so Volume one and two. Yeah. Another cool female-led uh, kind of anti-hero character, which I would recommend. Again, that's Aruko. I'm here. Um, I'm here for that. I'm gonna. Yeah, look that it's up cool. Later. AJ, what do you got to? Oh gotta yeah. Tell us for well, today? I watched. Uh, I watched a movie. Uh, it was called The Harder They Fall. Oh, okay. It was on Netflix. If you want to watch it, uh, the movie it's directed by James Samuel. He's this uh, British. Uh, Writer, songwriter, singer, I believe. I gotta be honest with you guys, I did not enjoy this movie. No. At all. Um, I was looking I did forward not to enjoy this. It. I, I did not enjoy this movie. I, I could probably sit here for a whole nother hour and explain everything I didn't like about it. I will, what I, I'll start with the nice things. I thought the movie was shot beautifully. I thought the cinematography was really, really good. Uh, for those who don't know, this is a film based on loosely based on real American folklore, uh, black cowboys in in particular, Uh, this film essentially takes those characters and puts them in this Quentin Tarantino S style of, of a film. The, 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 the film is about this, this, this boy who witnesses the death of his parents and is then branded by the by this killer spends his entire life then on a revenge tour for all the people responsible for his parents death and the the film was about that conflict between the the main character Nat Love and the villain played by one of my favorite actors Idris Elba uh I think believe the villain's name was Rufus Buck that's why I'm excited because I love I love, I love everything he touches. You, Idris Elba can play a villain like no one else can. If you've watched The Wire, you've seen Idris Elba as probably his best as Stringer Bell. Um, he 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 does he did a great job, and that's the other thing I loved about this movie. I thought the performances overall were really really good. Jonathan Majors is coming out of left field as probably one of my new favorite actors. He's a, he he did a really good job in this film. Uh, Zazie, Zazie Beats, I know her from Atlanta, and I think she was in, she was in Deadpool? Yeah, she was. Deadpool too. I think Domino. she played Domino. Yeah. Yeah, I think she played Domino in she, Deadpool. She was great in that. Yeah, she, yeah, she, she, so she, she's a, she's a phenomenal, I mean, this, this movie had a lot of, lot of, uh, actors and actresses who I know from, the Keith Langfield, uh, who was in, He's also in Atlanta. I know him from Atlanta. I know he's also in that movie. I think it's called "I'm Sorry to Sorry to Bother You." Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he's he's a great actor. Um, so they, they, there are, there are a lot. Of, I mean, this there's a lot of great black actors in this film, and they all do their job really, really, really well. I just didn't feel the story matched the intensity of the cinematography and the and the and the acting. The, the story was. Yeah tremendously lackluster something about something for me is that if your movie is going to be longer than two hours i gotta forget that i'm watching a two-hour movie once once i start to feel that 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 period of a film where there's a big lull 
in the movie, then I, I start to get disinterested. And unfortunately, what this director does that so many modern directors do, and it drives me crazy, is that they treat the audience like they're stupid. Uh, that and it's is something a pet to me. Yeah. So, so as an example, as I mentioned before, the main character Nat Love, he, he watches his family get, he watches his family get murdered by uh, by Idris Elba's character Rufus Buck. So, in the future, the the, the film takes place probably like 15, 20 years in the future. In the future, when there's supposed to be this real climactic scene, right? Where where Nat has finally is is finally going to confront Rufus. It's first of all, I felt that that whole interaction just felt really flat. There was no there was no anticipation to it. And and the reasoning that Idris Elba says he A kept him alive and B branded him it really makes no sense he he basically says so i know who you are when you find me but that makes no sense you mean to tell me you knew this person was gonna go on a revenge path what if they did it what if they died like that that and, and then he uses nat nat love uh for uh, to, to further his plot and he basically blackmails him into into doing whatever he needs him to do from that point in the movie going forward and it really doesn't make any sense it's like if your if your whole life was dedicated to seeing this person die, whether you lived or died, you would never just be like, "All right, I'll do what you ask me to do, no matter what the circumstance." And and that's kind of the 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 depth that I felt like the movie lacked. It was very, I would honestly call it cookie cutter, in my personal opinion. It, it almost felt like the director saw watched a Quentin Tarantino film and said. Wow, I can I can do the same thing, but didn't ha- put any of the effort that Quentin Tarantino puts into the dialogue, and I, I felt like that's where it felt it felt really short. Um, this is where I felt the the movie fell short in terms of how I I engaged with it. I knew the ending basically from like the first scene. I I I I guessed the ending from the very first scene. And what's frustrating for me is that now I'm watching me being right. And I hate that. I hate that in movies. If I'm going to be right about something, at least surprise me and how I can see that. You shouldn't telegraph it as easily as that movie did. So uh, if you guys do choose to watch it, don't be afraid to skip. Uh, I think for me, one of the most insulting scenes is Idris Elba's character, Rufus. He tells Nat that in order to get his woman back, he needs to return the money that Nat stole from him with interest. So in order to get that interest, he has to rob a white bank. And so they go to a white town and the entire town is white. Like when I say the entire town is white, I mean like literally the cinematographer, it's again, shot beautifully. It looks incredible, right? It's like this, the sand is white. The buildings are white. Everything is white. But then the director does, somebody made this choice to put the name of the town and then underneath it's a white, it's a white people town. I'm just like, well, yes, obviously (laughs) that is already telegraphed by everything in the town. Like you don't have to tell me that. They actually like like, literally wrote that. They literally wrote it. Like that's an example when I I say, well, I don't appreciate when a director treats me, the audience, the, 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 the audience as somebody who cannot put two or two together. 
You know what I mean? That's for me personally, that's part of, of the goal of a cinematographer, right? They're, they're, they are trying to use their artistic lens or artistic eye to draw these comparisons with, with each other or like, you know, to each other. I think a really, uh, a really good scene, for example, and this, this is where the movie for me is a little frustrating is there's a character where Zazie, there's a moment where Zazie beats, her name is Mary, uh, Mary Field. She, she kind of runs a, uh, I think it's called a Bordeaux, right? That's kind of like old timey strip clubs, right? Mm. Um, so she runs one in her town and she has to now go into Rufus's town and that's where Rufus is hanging out in their version of like a Bordeaux or whatever. And so the difference between hers and his is so much different, right? His is more elegant. It's more overwhelming. It's more, uh, it, there is this sense. I'm not, I don't want to give it away in case everyone does want to watch it, but there's this almost like sense of like danger, but it's, but you're drawn into it. And I think that what that's supposed to show is that her, you know, bar slash, you know, board or whatever, it's it's it was very inviting, right? They 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 really there was there was a much safer sense. Literally, there was a safer sense in that area than when they go to Rufus's town. And and I just felt like, okay, that's an example where the cinematographer, he's really doing some work, right? But then it's undercut by just the reason she's there makes no sense. I mean, her plan is literally let me go there and find out what's going on. And, 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 and Nat's character is like, but they know what you look like. She's like, well, someone's got to do it. I'm like, that's not a reason. What? That makes no yeah, sense. Not like and then she immediately me. gets captured. I'm just like, what oh. was the, what was, what was the plan? Well, yeah, that's my point. Like, what was, that makes no sense. Uh, I just don't man. like, I just, I personally, on a, on a personal level, I just don't enjoy films where characters are making ill-informed decisions based on information we already have. It's like, why would you either don't put the dialogue that they know what your face looks like and stuff like, don't put that in the movie then. Like, I just felt like that that was an example of like, if you didn't include that dialogue, then that, when she does get captured, that makes you respect the intellect of Rufus, Rufus's character, that he's able to identify somebody that we, the audience, thinks they don't know. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like that's just an example of, like, w- one of the many things. I could go on about this movie for an hour. Guys, I, I got to give it. I got to give it. I was going to give it two thumbs down, but the acting and the cinematography, especially at the end um, where Jonathan Major's character it has this last confrontation with Rufus, uh, with uh, Idris Elba's character, Rufus Buck, the acting is so... Potent. And the cinematography I felt was was really good. That's the only thing preventing me from giving it two thumbs down. I got to give it one thumbs down. But if it wasn't for those two components, I would have to give it a good two thumbs down. Oh I mean, man! It's just, well, I it's, just it's interesting to me how um, this director was uh, how he started with his first film being a, a two almost two and a half hour western. When I'm like looking yeah. and like. <laughs> It's mainly been singer, songwriter, music producer. He worked on a Jay Z yeah. short film, and then like he's the brother of Seal, <laughs> which I did yeah, not know. Yeah, um, and- it's just it's bizarre to me. Like I feel like it's 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 such a big stretch to be like, all right, my first film is going to be this huge hundred percent with a uh, big cast. big budget western. Again, I cannot stress this enough. It is the is one of the more poor 
imitations of a Quentin Tarantino movie because there are these scenes, you know, something that Quentin Tarantino does, and, and it's something that I absolutely love about his movies, is that there, I don't know if there's anyone better at building tension than Quentin Tarantino in a film. Uh, I, 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 you can think of any Quentin Tarantino movie. Let's take uh, Reservoir Dogs, for example, right? And, and the, the whole movie is building up to tension to that last scene, which is insane because the majority of the movie takes place after the, the, the conflict of the And you the, have no idea what's film. happening. And you have no idea what's going on. And, and, and each scene in that movie is, is, it's like a train. It's like building and building. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because there's very little like conflict, like action, like action, you know, gunfight, that kind of stuff. It's all just dialogue. But it, but that's how good of a director and writer Quentin Tarantino is. Right? The dialogue needs to be important for the plot. The dialogue like, is, interesting. is is it's vital. Yes, I, I, you can. Have you guys seen uh, the Hateful Eight? Yes, uh, yep. that's one of the few I haven't seen of his. I highly recommend watching it. That's another example of the dialogue in that movie is is used like a train. It's literally driving the conflict, and so when you get to those last scenes. When, 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 you know, not to give it away, but the last scenes of the movie, you, it, it, you're, you're just so engaged in what's going on, right? This is one of the reasons why I, you know, Quentin Tarantino, I mean, even uh, what was the last Quentin Tarantino movie he did with Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Brad Once Pitt, Upon a Time um, in Hollywood? Once, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, mm-hmm. even that movie, while I didn't feel like that was like the strongest in terms of dialogue. But a lot of what's going on in the movie is building throughout the movie. I just don't feel like you have that here. I feel like you have this, the pacing is bizarre and then the dialogue is thrown in there. So if you're, if you're an an aspiring actor and you're looking for like dialogue to take to, you know, to auditions, like, Hey, pick any from this movie, right? There's a lot in there and you could definitely take them from really, really talented actors, but they just don't fit. They just don't fit in the in what the movie's trying to do. It's trying to be an edgier Quentin Tarantino movie. I just feel I just feel like it fell short. I just felt like it fell short of that. Can't all be winners. So uh, one thumbs down yeah. from AJ. One, one thumbs, thumbs down. down. Yeah, one thumbs down. But uh, whoever that cinematographer is in that movie, uh, I think they saved it. Um, I also didn't love the the score as well. It was cool that they used hip hop. In in like they, they kind of merge like a lot of hip hop and and almost like western themes. That was cool, but I I just never felt like it it married well with, with what was going on on the screen at the time. If that makes any sense, at least not all the time. So yeah, you guys can skip it. <laughs> all right, I don't like westerns anyway, so I probably yeah. Won't you watch it. you guys can skip it if you want to cool. watch a better western film. That's Edgy, I highly recommend The Hateful Eight. I highly recommend one. The Hateful Eight. Yeah. That, that is very recommend. good. I like Tarantino is just great. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a great director. And th- one of the reasons why I love The Hateful Eight, honestly, is because Samuel L. Jackson's character in that movie might be my favorite Quentin Tarantino Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, he is really, really, really good in that movie, and that's saying a lot. So, <laughs> since he's in, uh, he's he's also in Pulp Fiction. He's in Jackie Brown. He's in Django. Django. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that that says a lot. Nice. Maybe uh, what to hit one of those up on a future episode. Yeah, we'll just do a whole we'll, Tarantino episode. 
Well, we can, because I don't know if you guys know this, but technically speaking, every Quentin Tarantino movie takes place in the same universe. I did know that, yep. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's perfect. So, yeah, so every every Quentin Tarantino movie takes place. There are there are threads that he leaves in each movie that you that he, I mean, he's even admitted himself that the characters are all there. They're all, you know. They're all connected in some way. They're all connected. Yeah, they're all connected in some way. So, I always thought that was kind of cool. We could, yeah. There's a, there's a Django yeah. comic book too. So, is there really? Yeah, that's cool. Now, was was Django a comic book first, or I don't think so. I think it came out after. You don't think so? Uh, afterwards, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'll pick it up. We can talk about it sometime. Yeah, so we we definitely should because I I love Quentin Tarantino. I hope he's not really done making movies. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, I think that's it, guys. Right? Yeah. I also want to talk. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for the show for this episode. Special shout out to all the men and women on the USS Carl Vinson. Uh, thank you all for your sacrifice, especially during this holiday season, uh, as well as everyone else in the armed services. And uh, my brother's on the Vinson right now. So shout out to, to Carlos and uh, everyone else out there keeping us we safe. Salute you, Carlos, and all, all, the, all the brave men and women. And uh, if you liked this episode, if you like what you heard, you can subscribe so you can stay up to date on all of our content. For those of you on YouTube, gently press that like button. Uh, if you didn't like the episode, you go ahead and smash the dislike button. Drop us a comment below. If you're well, on you a, another uh, platform that allows that, drop us a comment as well. But obviously not you, Spotify. <laughs> Come Give on, us Spotify. A rating. Tell us what we did uh, right. What did we get wrong? You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at bandwagonfanpod as well as on Facebook and YouTube at The Bandwagon Fan. You can find episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.